Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll If You Got Them. I am Dakota. Um, we are on episode 23. I am joined with, by, like always, uh, by Carl. Hello. And we do have a special guest on tonight. We have uh, Brett from the Small Council. Um, he was able to hop in and join us. Welcome, Brett. What's going on? All right. So we, tonight... Um, are going to discuss the ELO tournament that Brett hosted. Um, it was a smaller 14-man tournament, um, and then we are going to kind of discuss some of these tactics cards that were revealed today um, by Simon for the Greyjoys. So, Brett, how do you feel the ELO went? The... Uh... The, let's start with telling everyone it was a it was a one day tabletop simulator event, which I was a big fan of. I enjoyed it very much. It was nice because like my game store, it's an hour away from home. So by the time I drive up there, you know, pack up all my stuff, do all this, do all that, get home. It's like a 12 hour day half the time. And having a one day TTS event at home was really cool because i could play my game and then i could go upstairs eat lunch here you know whatever i didn't have to put real pants on it was awesome (laughs) well and the the reality of the matter is i didn't wear pants the entire day (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i I might as well not have because the spankings i took but uh, (laughs) get into that later I actually piggybacked the idea off of, I believe it was uh, the Australian guys. Uh, One of those Australian groups ran a one-day TTS event, and I was like, huh, that's a pretty good idea. Uh, You know, people like playing the game, and and they, they seem to enjoy it, so it just made sense to me. Like, yeah, for the reasons you just said, like, I can sit at home. I can uh, make my own lunch. I don't have to travel, you know, three, four hours. And I don't have to ask anybody to travel three or four hours. You know, when we Mm -hmm. host an event in Indy, we rely on a lot of guys coming from out of town. It's a lot to ask guys to travel four and a half hours for a one-day event. So the Indy events usually end up being two days. Well, uh, now they get a little bit of relaxation. But at the same time, that's an entire basic three days that they're committing to a tournament, which... It's fine, but this just seemed like a really cool and relaxed thing. And uh, I think overall, um, with all factors considered, I think everybody was in really high spirits the entire time. And uh, I think everybody was having a great time. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Yeah, the traveling too. I mean, I travel, I played up over at at Gamers Haven. Obviously, I live in Cincinnati, so it's like four hours away from me. So actually getting up there, it's a huge, it's a big production where it's planned out, you know, like, oh, hey, I'm going to be home on this day. Let's do something um, type of deal. So yeah, it was awesome just to be like, hey, honey, you know, I'm going to be playing video games all day. Uh, Am I allowed? And okay, deal with it. Uh, right. That's kind of how it went. <laughs> so right, it's like, eh, listen, <laughs> this is the lesser of the evils, you know. It's like, it's like, what do I need to do to do this? And then you know, you just got to make it happen. Um, Dakota, you ran Lannisters. Yep, I so I ran Lannisters. I don't really play much of them. Uh, I mean, I'm more of a Stark Baratheon guy, but I wanted to switch it up because 
Um, the ELO, we, so we explained it in our last episode, basically it's a way to open it up for the lower tier commanders. If you haven't heard about it, um, it creates like a point spread. If you take a high rated commander versus a low rated commander, you could win, but you might get like, you know, a person, like a small percentage of the actual, actual victory points that you would get, um, or the tournament points I should say for winning. So like if you took Rob versus Stannis, you could win with Rob, but you would get fewer points than the guy that lost with Stannis. Um, so it really like compounds what commanders you want to take. And it's like, but it makes you want to take some of the lower tier ones. Right. It was, you um, basically get a bonus for winning with bad guys and you kind of get a bonus for losing with bad guys too. Yeah. So um, it weighs it a little bit for you. Yes. So I took Tywin. I ended up playing Tywin in all three games. Um, kind of because I wanted to. Um, I ran Tywin, Poor Fellows, Poor Fellows with Tyrion, Two Knights, Pycelle, Cersei, and Walter Frey. That was that was the army I ran in all three games. And I will say I, I liked Tywin. I, I'm surprised that he's rated as low as he is because, I mean, I felt like if a unit of yours had abilities, they were getting shut off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought I felt I thought it felt really strong. Obviously, we weren't playing against some of the top tier stuff, but still, it, it seemed like I was in control. Yeah, and I, I ran Targaryens. I ran um, a Drogo list and a Dario list. Uh, just kind of for fun. I think Targaryens can be a lot of fun, especially when you can get that that engine rolling and start uh picking stuff off. I know like one game I had unsullied into the flank of Knights of Casterly Rock with Precision, Crit Blow, Vicious, and Sundering. Mm-hmm. I've, I I mean I one shot the Knights of Casterly Rock. It was mm-hmm. it was almost a double overrun if it wasn't for the fact that I had a token in Dance of Dragons and then couldn't go anywhere. But mm-hmm. Targaryens are fun until they're not. All right, so then mostly, though, the the one thing is, looking at the stats, the highest taken faction was Baratheons. Mm-hmm. And of that, there was there was nine Stannis rightful heirs. So out of... A, and a lot of people had double rightful mm-hmm. heir list. They brought... Yep. I think there was three people that brought double Stannis, the rightful heir. And then there's a couple people that, like, brought one Stannis rightful heir and one Stannis, whatever the other one is. And Yeah, there was only... Uh... Four different action, four different Baratheon commanders. Stannis Rightful Heir. There was one list with Stannis, one True King, one list with Davos, and one list with Axel Flint. And then basically, to not go, you know, we're yeah. not going to break down round by round here, but yeah. uh, Mel ran wild mm-hmm. in the tournament. Melisandre popped off against pretty much everybody. I know my first game, I took 19 wounds to Melisandre in a in a list where I only have four units. Yeah. So I basically lost 50% of my army to Melisandre in round three. And it was like, oh, this is brutal. Yeah, um, I am. Um, in my second game, I uh, I took like 30 plus wounds from her. I mean, she killed. Crazy. She straight up killed two units of knights for the Casterly Rock. And then one of them, she did like half the damage to. Mm-hmm. I think we both played Ariakas. I played him first. Yeah. You played him second. Yep. And just the Mel ran amok. Yep. Brett, what did you think about the commanders and the kind of the spread? Were you kind of anticipating a lot of Stannis rightful air? I mean, I know you could see the stats kind of setting this up on who was getting taken. Um, but what do you think about it? Um, to be honest, I was expecting a little bit more um, Targaryen presence. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I helped Chad make his Targaryen list. I thought it was a really cool list. I think it's a very strong list in a lot of matchups. So I think if you take away some of the super meta, uber, uber killy stuff, uh, that the list stands a chance. So I was hoping to see somebody take Drogo, but I'm not surprised that the rightful heir was taken so much because somehow he ended up being the, the worst rated commander. And I think that's largely a result of Baratheons just losing so much steam. I think at one point they were either third or fourth. Mm-hmm. Carlos said fourth, but I'm pretty positive they went up to third place uh, for a little while. Uh, and then I think people adjusted to the Bastards Girls Red Priestess, and people had figured out how to deal with Rose Knights, and nobody still knows how to do deal with Penrose, but he wasn't there at all. But mm-hmm. I think once people kind of figured that out, like, you know, it wasn't the new hotness, it wasn't sneaking up on anybody. Uh, you started to see Mel, what, yeah. You you started to see high morale builds and, mm-hmm. and strong counters to that, but a lot of times you you can't see those types of lists when you're building to these other commanders. Like you did, nobody was running the High Sparrow, so you didn't have a Faith Militant to counter Melisandre. Nobody was running a bunch of Berserkers because nobody ran Starks. You know, yeah. nobody was running Free Folks ban because nobody ran Free Folks. So I'm not overly surprised that Melisandre ran wild. And I'm not overly surprised that it was a popular choice because I think people were banking on, well, I'm not going to have to deal with Starks. So if I nuke the really strong units with Mel, what's going to be able to come across the field and get me? Probably nothing because they don't have the Stark you know, screw you deck. You know, like they don't have a five point unit that can pop off and and roll through, you know, the units in in one round. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest. When I was making my list, I was just thinking, how can I make Tywin decent? I wasn't really like, what do I need to counter? I knew I needed to like figure out how to deal with Unsullied because I was like, all right, there's going to be quite a few Targaryens and Unsullied are, I think, a little underrated. I mean, they don't take tokens. So there's like three, four commanders that can't really do much with them other than have Walter turn them off to get them tokens to like put effects on them. So, I mean, that was like the one thing I thought about. I wasn't really like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to deal with Mel for three games or two games I ended up playing against her. And it sucked. It kind of sucked. Because I was like, because me and Ariakas, who we even talked about afterwards, he was just like, yeah, he's like, you didn't have a chance. He's like, you couldn't bring Heisbear on. I was like, yeah, I, I didn't think about this beforehand. Um, it's a little unpreparedness on my part, but you know, totally. You just the high commanders kind of have those built-in counters to her. Yeah, when I was list building for the event, I don't know how many times I put together three unsullied lists and talked myself out of it. And then when I got to the event and saw all the Stannis, I was like, oh, I wish I would have brought my triple unsullied because they can at least should pass every other Melbom, you know? But it yeah. just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I, so, but overall, it was it was really fun. Like, the whole just getting a tournament in in one day was awesome. I mean, yes, such, such a change up. Even, like, you know, some of the other t- online TTS tournaments, they're drawn out over, like, five weeks. So you draw your opponent, you know, you have a week to play them. You, like, both people can think about the matchup a lot. Um, this was a one where, two. it's like you draw, and then you're like, all right, let's play. And then you just go and play where you can't, like, strategize for three, four days on what you're going to be trying to accomplish. 
that that was a good point too. You didn't, you know, you didn't have that feeling that your opponent has played against your list like six times, <laughs> getting ready for the game. So I was a big fan of that too, and uh, yeah, just the whole thing, the whole thing was fun. I would, I would very much like to maybe have like a seasonal one of those, like every three months, have a day, sit down and have a uh, a TTS single mm-hmm. dayer, basically. Yep. Yeah, I would. I'd be all for that. Um, all right, so that basically sums up the whole the ELO tournament that we did with Brett. Um, and the next thing we wanted to talk about were so today they released what the Greyjoy basic deck is. Um, so let's go through them. So before we kind of talk about them, what are your guys' first like overall impressions? Just before we kind we're going to talk about all the cards, so we'll go through them. But what's just kind of that like you look at them? What's your guys' first thoughts? So what what jumped out to me this the first read through was the the I get to punish you for taking zones that mm-hmm. you want like like uh if you look at there's one of them the Kraken's Wrath which we'll go through them all but basically it like as long as somebody controls these zones I'm going to get the benefit from it. I'm actually going to get more benefit from it if you control them than if I control them. But either way, as long as someone has them, it works out. And I think that's really cool to bring something like that in. Yep, totally. Um, Brett, what do, you, what do you think about just when you quickly first saw them and glanced them over them? What did you think? So the big thing for me, uh, my, my biggest thing without looking at the, the tactics cards individually, just an overall thought mm-hmm. process, it's unique. Um, nothing is regurgitated. Uh, it's very, very different, and so that tells me that um, we haven't even we haven't even seen all of the creative juices that these creators have for this game, which is really encouraging to me because I know for a little while there was some grumbling and complaining, like, "Oh, Baratheons have mixes of other commanders' cards in their basic deck." Oh, Penrose has counterplot and defensive counter. We've seen this before. And then mm-hmm. the Starks and then the Targaryens having some cards that mix with the Starks. And, you know, so it was, it was, I didn't mind having some overlapping cards. Uh, thematically, it made sense to me. Um, but seeing a whole fresh new, like this is new stuff that I have to memorize. This is new stuff that I have to really engage with and play the game to get to understand it is exciting to me because I've seen hit and run before. Mm-hmm. I know what it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen any of this stuff before. And as we know, things don't translate, you know, what's, what's on paper does not always translate to the battlefield. Yep. Uh, if that was the case, we would never have the need to play games. You would just look at the rosters and, and decide who should win, but mm-hmm. there are no paper champions. You play the game. And people are going to approach this deck differently. They're going to get different uses out of it. And it's it's fun. It's exciting for me. So that was what jumped out to me the most was just a whole unique kind of take on things. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel some of those things too. Like, I don't necessarily mind it with some of the overlapping cards. I think it makes sense because it's like, well, these are traditional i mean i'm like thematically they're supposed to be like similar armies so having some over you know some overlaps in cards isn't a big deal to me and then obviously when it's like oh devastating impact that card's really strong to see it again in another deck i'm not i mean 
I don't think it's as big of a deal just because it's a good card. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, the, you know, the one thing I looked at with these cards too is um, the first thing I looked at just because of uh, I play Baratheons is uh, their triggers. And I think they've set these triggers up really good on all these cards. Um, just before, I mean, we're going to talk about them a little bit more here, but I think there's only two of them that have similar triggers um they're similar but different i mean one's like look a friendly Greyjoy infantry unit activates the other one's just when a friendly combat unit activates um but other than that they're all different they're all diverse so i mean you're gonna you're gonna get these cards and they'll be like oh i can play it here i can play it there i can do this play i can do that which i'm a fan of yeah yeah the um there's one card the iron price it's very similar to a john snow card i don't have the john snow card in front of me at the moment but it's it's close but not quite i don't i don't believe it's in a it's definitely not an exact copy actually um mm-hmm. but besides that it, it's unique and i'm trying to look at it through the lens of this 1.7 update that we have coming where they said like you know in that their little article they basically said look at Greyjoys as part of this new era that we're gonna have so mm-hmm trying to look at him like that and i'm a big fan of everything i see here uh the guys look cool i'm excited to i want i just hope this pillage mechanic is as cool as it sounds and that it plays out and you can you can get the tokens but you don't get too many it you know i I want it to be the perfect little balance and yeah yeah and it looks yeah, so we'll get going through. We'll kind of just gloss over the cards. Give the we'll give a little bit of an impression on them because obviously we can talk about these cards and be like, oh, well, they're really strong or that's kind of weak. But really, when you play, it takes a, you know it'll take games to play it out till you're like how do, how you actually feel about the strength of a deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just gonna kind of go overview, talk about some of the effects on them because these might be the wordiest sets of cards that have been released. I mean, when you look at these cards, they are all full of text. Um, which do you do you think that is a sign of what's to come with you know they said that they were going to reevaluate every tactics card or they could reevaluate every tactics card do you think we're going to see wordier tactics cards across the board maybe i don't know um i think it pro uh, maybe i don't know cuz obviously there's some that aren't the, um, they seem very out. clean. Yeah, in, that, in their wording. That, like, it's yeah. not just a wall, text wall. Yeah, it's not they a text seem, wall. They it, seem it, very clean in their wording. Yes. Yeah. It, it takes some of the guesswork out of being like, oh, it, it tells you every, it tells you the whole thing. It's not like it's something small, you know, something like, you know, Swift Advance. That card. I mean, obviously, it's a simple card, but there's no text on that card. Um, all right. So let's get into them. Um, so the first one is we do not sow when a friendly NCU claims a zone. So claiming any zone, that's a replace effect with make a friendly combat unit performs one attack action. So that's any attack, um, melee or ranged. And then if your opponent, if an opponent controls the wealth zone, um, this unit restores one wound plus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. Uh, pretty cool card. Um, it's basically a free attack and potentially a heal. So you could attack heal off of one zone yeah hold, hold up i've got to point something out here guys sure. that maybe 
maybe slipped through and I bet <laughs> it probably slipped through a lot of people because we're all so used to it. Have a look at the Kraken's Wrath. If you control the, the combat zone, this attack gains precision. Mm -hmm. yep. Now you'll notice that it does not have in parentheses rolls of six do not allow defensive saves. You're right, it does not. It is not explaining on the card what those keywords do. So I'm wondering if we'll see a very clean like index of keywords, bold words. This is what they mean, and they're all right here. Very clear, very plainly written out. Uh, this is this actually intrigues me because technically we can assume that precision is rolls of six do not allow defensive saves, but maybe precision is changing. I don't know. This is intriguing, actually. That, that actually is that is a great point. I mean, I'm looking at it now too. I think I just read precision. And I'm like, okay, that's what that is. I don't think I've ever seen like look at it and be like, oh yeah, it's hits of six. Yeah, I right. think it. I think it slipped through the cracks. I think a lot of people didn't catch that because we're all, yeah. we just all take it for granted because we play the game so much. We know the game so well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but they could have completely changed precision. It could now be like, you know, if a defender rolls a one additional wound, if the attack has precision, like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. th that could all just be built into its own thing. So precision might not even need, mean air quotes precision anymore. That's a True. good point. That is a great point. Um, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that's I think that's like awesome too because I mean, theoretically, you could open it up where they have an index of terms, and every couple months they could say, "All right, we want to <laughs> change. We want to change what this one does," and throw the game for a loop. Like, the okay. thought of the rulebook being that clean gives me goosebumps. It makes me <laughs> so excited yeah, that it that can just be like. You know, well, that cleans it up. I mean, if that was the case too, it would clean up so many. I mean, because think of how many different things have different key, like keywords and might be like worded just a little differently. Like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, it's just. Well, I mean, like, think yeah. about the cards that we have that say rolls of six do not allow saves, because that was written before they had the word precision. Like mm -hmm. it shows up on one of Dario's tactics cards, Dario's yeah. two point attachment. I don't remember. But it's yeah, it doesn't like say precision, but it's precision. So hopefully we're getting that also. We're getting a okay, we have all this stuff that we didn't have when Starks and Lannisters were written three years ago, and now we get to make everything put everything in the same book, basically. Yes. Which that's awesome. Um yeah, Brett, Brett threw me for a loop here now. Now I'm thinking about this Kraken's Wrath and everything that can branch right. off of that. So so back to do not sell. <laughs> <laughs> back to do, do not sell. Um, okay, so yeah, it's a replace effect for a free attack, which is pretty simple, and wealth is own heal. So theoretically, yeah. if, if you're if on the last opponent turn, controls the wealth, you basically get an aim and heal. Yeah, or, yeah. One wound plus one for each of its destroyed ranks. So if you got someone hanging out on their uh, last rank, last rank and you take whatever zone you want crown maneuver you could take the combat to block it uh you get a free attack and you get a heal so if you if you're down to yeah three wounds you're gonna heal four right mm -hmm. yep yeah yep you'll heal no no, no. Uh... one plus three yeah no you'd you be one plus two them. you can you only can have two destroyed ranks oh yeah 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 
So it's yeah, it yeah. Always be maximum one plus two. So it'd be three, which is, I mean, a quarter of a unit. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some great tactical play that you can throw in there. Like you said, like you could take the combat zone to turn on your effects while they have that and then still make the attack and still get a heal. But also, like, denial-wise, okay, you're playing Lannisters. You jump mm-hmm. on the crown, make an attack when they have the wealth. And then, okay, maybe they take the combat zone. Well, cool, you're reading through some of these other cards. You might get some extra benefits because they took that zone. Right, yep, yep. I like it. Uh, all right, so what is dead is may never die is the next one. When a friendly unit is destroyed, this unit is not destroyed, but instead remains in play with D3 wounds. Attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. And then while attached, when this unit performs an action before resolving that action... It suffers D3 wounds unless you control the combat zone. So you're potentially just buying a unit, uh, you know, one more turn. Mm-hmm. One more action, actually. Not even not even the turn. But then again, you could restore three wounds and then uh, take an action and be like, eh, I'll chance it and only roll a one and... You know, and then pop a we do not so heal a bunch, chain them two together, and you're you're back up and fighting. Yeah, you at least got a unit that might hang out for a few minutes. Yeah, and truly too, the thing about it, if your maybe your opponent ends the round with that attack that would kill a unit, well, instead of you maybe you lead off the next round instead of you needing to take an action, right? Well, you just act. You know, your first move that next round is taking that wealth zone and healing yourself and you know, getting back in the fight. Yep. Or taking the combat so that you don't oh, have yeah. to suffer those D3 wounds. Right, right. Uh, one thing, though, it, it's a simple trigger. But it's one of them cards that, like, if you draw it round one, now it's like, I gotta wait for someone to die, which, looking at some of their stats, I mean, the Reavers, saving on a five with a seven morale, they're gonna, they're gonna die. Like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of things dying, I think. Coming me. in at five points, you're going to have two or three of those dudes on the table. Yeah. yeah. So you'll have the opportunity to get it off. The Bowman, saving on five, eight plus morale. Those are ripe for a uh, crown zap or two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you might have to not hold on to it too long. All right, so the next one is what Brett already kind of pointed out would be the Kraken's Wrath. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice. Um, if you control the combat zone, this attack gains precision. If an opponent controls the combat zone, this attack may reroll any attack dice and gains precision. Um, and then if you control the wealth, the defender becomes panicked. If an opponent controls the wealth, the defender becomes vulnerable. Um, I, I, I love it. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. so damn cool. The um, So if, if the opponent con- controls the combat and the wealth... You get rerolls, precision, uh, panicked, panic, vulnerable. vulnerable. Assuming that uh, panicked, vulnerable, all that stuff still mean the same thing. We gotta, you know, kind of look at it that way. But it's so damn cool. Right, Brett. Any thoughts on that card, Brett? Yes, yeah, so I'm here. I'm sorry. Um, so. <laughs> Kind of in a in a roundabout way, it reminds me a little bit of Varys. So, or the new Varys. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder how long this change to Varys has been in the work. Like, obviously, the developers are super secretive about things, 
and that's cool because then we get these really cool surprises. Um, it just seems like a similar mechanic. So it's kind of a chicken or the egg. Did they did they come up with this card and then they were like, well, we need to change Varus, and then like the two like like I'm picturing Fabio and and Michael on this like conference call. Like, what are we gonna do? And Fabio's like, well, the we've got this really cool Greyjoy card. Why don't we run? Why don't we run with that concept? And how can we make that work for Varus? But um, no, it's interesting. I, I see some similarities, and I really like that mechanic. I've I've obviously talked plenty about how I feel about the new Varus, but I really really like things in this game that make you really really think. Um, I believe the it was Michael mentioned that uh, some of the no brain plays you might see a change to those. So things that you. Well, he did. He said, you're going to have to pay for your benefits. You're going to have to earn some of these things. So for me, this is the perfect direction where I, where I want the game to go. I want every play to be, man, like this is really hard to decide. Not swift advance into devastating impact, into northern ferocity, uh, you're dead. Uh, get to your rear, uh, sudden charge, they're dead. I'm never going to stop picking on Starks. <laughs> you know, right, but, yeah. But, no, they're, they're easy to pick on. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I really like the concept of every decision is hard. Um, you're going to have some upside and some downside. It's going to come down to the game being played like chess, in a way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things are going to die. You can't do anything about it. How are you going to make the best of it? And how are you going to make your opponent pay for what he's doing to you? So I love it. Right. Looking at Kraken's Wrath, it's a great card. But to get it to pop off completely, you have to let your opponent take the wealth in the combat zone. Like, mm -hmm. that's, that's not exactly great. Like, it's not something you're going to be doing. <laughs> those, are, those are on the list of zones you want, for sure. So... Definitely one of those things where you're like, well, I'm going to take the letters first. And then it's like, okay, well, yeah, you can start taking my zones and then I'm going to do this. And the next thing you know, it's like, yeah. But then none of your other cards are triggering. Yeah, I, but, I mean, I like it. I like but the, the mind games you can play. If I'm playing against you, you go first, you take the combat. Okay, I take the tactic zone. And then you're like, I want the wealth, but I don't want to turn Kraken's Wrath all the way up when mm -hmm. I don't even have it in my hand. And so you take the crown, and then you leave the wealth open for me. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is this is fun. Like I'm good with this. Yep. I, yeah, I like the mind games in that card that it promotes, and I like it. I like it a lot. Yep. Um. All right. So the next card is the Iron Price. This one is actually a fairly one of the fairly straightforward cards. It doesn't take a um zone to set up it's um start of a friendly turn target one friendly combat unit remove any number of pillage tokens from that unit for each token removed choose one um that unit restores two wounds um maybe selected multiple that can be selected multiple times um this unit gains the next sorry the next effect is this unit gains plus one movement and may reroll any or may reroll charge distance dice this turn um, and then the last one is this unit attacks using its highest attack die value this turn. Um, so I, this one kind of jumps back in on the pillage tokens, which I was kind of anticipating maybe a card like this where like you have the pillage tokens, well, then you can remove them to get other benefits. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I like it. I mean, it's straightforward. It gives you, you know, you're not having to, it's not a tactics board thinker. It's just, do you want to take two tokens off? Maybe do you want to take one token off? Because I think some of the effects, not having the unit cards in front of me here, when they get two tokens on them, they're really strong. I think like one of them, it's like they're all like a two plus to hit um, or something like that, where you're like, okay, like, yeah, I'll take one of these off to be at a three plus to hit. Um, but then get, you know, and one of these two effects or one of these three effects that I might need. Uh, so we're to assume that the this unit restores two wounds. That's the only one you can double select, right? Yeah, that's the only one that has a maybe select a multiple times. Right, because you couldn't pick up like plus two movement. No, no. Which, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, this one's great too. I mean, it's just, it's super versatile because you could start of your turn, you might have a unit on its last leg and they're like, well, I can take the pillage tokens off of it because maybe I'm not going to get any other benefit out of it and I can heal it back up a bunch or heal it back up at least four. Um, maybe put a whole second rank on it. Um, can you... So you could chain this together with <laughs> the... You could chain this with a lot of the cards, but I'm thinking specifically uh, that we do not sew. You could yep. pop this. This is the start of the turn. You could restore four wounds, and then you could go we do not sew and restore potentially another... Um, well, you would do... Uh, not, I don't think it would combo that well because it, don't, it could potentially be like one or two wounds off, off of your attack also. Um... Because hmm. you'd theoretically only have, you'd be on last rank. If you took four wounds off, you'd go back up to second rank at least. So then you yeah. just need one, one plus one minimally. True, but I mean, you you could heal six basically. Yeah, yeah, and make a free attack. Yep. So there's 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 something there. Mm -hmm. Once again, pretty straightforward. I like it. It's simple. It gives me lots of options, and you don't have to control any zones for it. You just got to have a couple pillage tokens. Yeah. So far, we've seen all the units be limited to two pillage tokens, I believe. The yeah. Iron Makers are two. The Reavers are a two. I don't have the other units in front of me here, but I don't think that, I think the Trappers, the four point archers, I don't think they can have pillage tokens, but they can. The Ironborn Bowmen or. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. The yeah, they, they don't have pillage. But if they destroy a rank, they gain a pillage that they can move, correct? Uh, if they destroy a rank, one friendly unit within long yeah, range that, gains yeah. a pillage token. So. so they can kind of feed pillage tokens to other guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty straightforward card. Moving along, this one might be my favorite card. Um, because I guess, it, I mean, it's really swingy. I mean, it could work or it could not work. Um, so it's finger dance, um, start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit, attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. Um, while attached when attacking enemies with the same or fewer remaining ranks before rolling attack dice, the defender becomes vulnerable. So it's just giving you a vulnerable token if you're equal or more ranks. Um, and then when an enemy with the same or more remaining ranks attacks this unit before rolling attack dice, this unit becomes vulnerable. So you're potentially trading off 
of vulnerable for yourself to becoming vulnerable yourself. I mean, this, I think, kind of plays into the whole faction of, like, alpha striking. I mean, I know that's kind of been, like, described as what they want to do is striking first and hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, this totally plays into it because if you play this and then if you sit around on your hands, you could be getting messed up because, I mean, a lot of your units, they only have a 5-plus defense and a 7 morale. I mean, taking a a, a decent attack with vulnerable on you, that's going to equal a lot of wounds. Uh, does anyone know what finger dance like relates to from the books? I don't. I don't remember finger dance. I don't remember reading that line or reading anything that would lean to a finger dance card. I don't know. The only thing that I can think of is what is that one knife game where you uh, you put the knife in between your fingers and try not to stab oh. your own. You try not to stab yourself. That's the only thing I could think of because it's like you either succeed or you stab yourself in the hand and you're aft. That's how we play all the white elephant at Christmas, but in my family. You guys are a bunch of hillbillies, though. (laughs) (laughs) There's Brett. (laughs) Brett's just chiming in when he wants to. In case you thought I wasn't listening, I needed to hear. Uh, you call Carl hillbilly. <laughs> I don't know. My family's hillbillies. There's a difference. They're from, difference. Your family's from what? It's called like Killbuck, it's which is literally, literally... Killbuck. Yes, it's yeah. in like Central Ohio somewhere. Yeah. No, I'm not disagreeing with him by any means. <laughs> but anyhow, anyhow, that's different. Anyhow. That's a different episode there. Yeah, that's some like therapy there. Actually, I think. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, that, like a good card, like you stri- either strike first and you can pass out a vulnerable, or you don't strike first and yeah, you, you you're just becoming that. you're just becoming vulnerable after that. Um, so you could potentially kill off your own unit. It um, yeah, you 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 know things don't go your way with that card, and now every time you're getting punched, you're getting a vulnerable token, you're not going to get hit too many times. Even mm-hmm. if you have those, is it the Iron Makers? You, you can mm-hmm. get their defense down to a 2+, plus, but... But you're not getting many pillage tokens, because you're not taking ranks off your opponent. Yeah, I don't. this is one of the cards I want to see it. I want to see it played, I want to play mm-hmm. it, I want to play against it, and I want to see how it pans out. Because it could go really either way i like it yep. once again i like i like the uniqueness the versatility um all right so what one is the next one here so the next one then would be rating call this one is when a friendly Greyjoy unit inf- when a friendly gray joy infantry unit activates so Reading that key off means we could be getting some other stuff other than infantry i mean that's all we've seen so far is infantry so boats either boats or maybe like a light cav or something i don't know something um yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean but like boats reading... on the uh on like the the scorpion base tray would mm-hmm. be like pretty cool yeah um but this card i mean gonna read through it here it makes sense why it says infantry only but it says remove up to um, when a friendly Greyjoy infantry unit activates, remove up to four models and up to one pillage token from one other friendly Greyjoy infantry unit um, in long range. Restore that many wounds to this unit, and if this unit has a pillage, has 
unit has pillage, place the removed pillage token on this unit. And then if any player controls the wealth zone, one friendly unit with pillage gains one pillage token. So you could pull a pillage and four models off of a friendly unit and then put a second pillage on the unit you just moved everything to. Mm -hmm. yep. So now you just got your two tokens on yep. your iron makers or whatever. Um, or you could read all that stuff and then just put a pillage token back where you took it from. Yep. And this is a card that you got to think that if any player controls the wealth, I mean, the wealth is always controlled. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the current meta, every zone's always controlled. Well, that's true too, but yeah. I'm hoping that goes away. Yeah. But I think the wealth, as long as the wealth has a pretty similar job to what it has now, it feels like the wealth is going to almost always be controlled. Yeah. I mean, it's top yeah. three. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, I mean, this card too, reading it, it's, I mean, it, to me, it's very similar to uh, Regroup and Reform. Yes, yeah, I was yeah. thinking that it was the very... Very similar. And this too is where another one where it's like, all right, pill, having a pillage token um, on, a, like on units is going to be important. My question now is, so you don't have to have a pillage token on the one where you're moving the models from, do you? Because it says remove up to four models and up to one pillage token. Right, so, so you, you could do one model if you wanted to play the card just to get another pillage token out there. Yep. Makes as sense. long as someone controls the wealth. You, you, yeah, could that... actually, you could move no models. Yeah. You, you could, could literally use this card just to place a pillage token. Mm -hmm. Which I think that's pretty good because, I mean, then if you get this one early and you're like, well, I want some pillage tokens, like, all right, round one after right. maybe the wealth's taken or you take it, all right, here's pillage yep. tokens. Iron Makers, here's your three plus save. Mm -hmm. Boom. And then this final card here, I'll take over for you. You've done sure. these six. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. Blessed with stone, blessed with steel. When a friendly combat unit activates, target one enemy engaged with that unit. For each of that unit's destroyed ranks, this unit restores two wounds. If you control the wealth or the combat, restore plus one wound or remove one condition token from that unit for each of those zones that you control. So let's break that down here. Target one enemy engaged with this unit for each of that enemy's destroyed ranks. This unit restores two wounds. So if they got two destroyed ranks, you can restore four wounds. If you control the wealth or combat, restore plus one wound. Or So that's wealth or combat plus one, not wealth and combat up to plus two. Or remove one condition token for each of those that you control. So you could remove two condition tokens and restore four wounds. Five wounds. Five wounds. If they're on, if your opponent's on last rank, you could do five wounds. Um, yeah, if you don't do any condition tokens, yes. No, no, it's... No, no, no. If you control wealth or combat, restore plus one wound or remove one condition token. Yeah, but the top part, it says, for each of that enemy's destroyed ranks, this unit restores two wounds. Right, so, so if you, you restore four. Yeah, plus one is five, plus but two condition you, tokens. No, no, no. I think the bottom part is an or. So you can restore one additional wound or remove... Oh, you're one, right. Um, yeah, I'm yes. reading that wrong. Yeah. Bad. So you, you could do four... Um, Four wounds and two tokens, four wounds and one token, or five wounds. Brett, you reading that same? 
I'm I'm driving, so I'm not gonna be able to check. <laughs> Got you. Damn it, Brett. I'm sorry. If you I don't want to get into over, a wreck. Like, read this card. Listen, they'll understand. Maybe you get someone new playing the game. See? Yeah, get the state trooper involved. You're selfish. Jerk. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean... These guys are really nice watching. There's a lot of healing. Yeah. I there would is a good bit of healing? I, would, I mean, that card is a mega heal card right there. Um, in my opinion. I mean, that's five wounds. That's half a unit back on. If you if you screw up and you get charged, that's that's a five unit heal or a five model heal, potentially. On top of iron price, mm-hmm. I mean you you could heal nine. Now, you pop the iron price at the start of the turn, remove two pillage tokens, restore four wounds, and then activate that unit, four more wounds, and then uh a fifth wound if you control the well for combat and don't have any condition tokens you want to get rid of. Mm -hmm. It's also an easy way to get rid of those condition tokens. If finger dance goes sideways on you and you become equally ranked and start taking that vulnerable. Ah, A finger dance card isn't so scary on myself all of a sudden. Yeah. There's definitely ways to mitigate it, but it can suck also. (laughs) True. Right. Yeah. It, I uh, I like what we see here. This makes me really excited for the update. Um, it's uh, I think it's gonna be fun. I'm I'm ex- I'm the most excited I've been in quite a while. About yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we just reviewed all the cards, and so going through them now, what are you guys' kind of final thoughts on those basic tactics cards? I mean, obviously, healing. I feel like there's healing on everything, which I think it makes sense because they have really low armor and shitty morale. Well, I shouldn't say shitty morale. These okay morale. Yeah, they, I mean, it's technically okay. The uh, it looks like our our starter. What's our starter box again? Reavers, Reapers, and Bowmen, right? Yep. I believe that's what has been confirmed. So, I mean, yeah, the starter box is five seven, five six, five eight. That's you're gonna take some wounds, mm-hmm. um, and then your iron makers are your four plus that you can get down to a two plus with the pillage stuff. So yeah, they they're gonna need the heals, which is cool. And yeah, if if you look at this um war sworn that they have to the one point attachment, um. He also has the, if the defender suffered any wounds, this unit restores one wound plus one additional wound for each of the defender's destroyed ranks. So that's going to be pretty sweet because you're mm-hmm. going to pick up pillage tokens and heals on your units. So yeah, they got, they got a lot of heals. They're going to... There's going to be a lot of taking models in and out of your trays using mm-hmm. these guys. <laughs> it's Yeah, definitely. They're going to... There's, there's going to be a lot of moving pieces i wish uh i feel like we saw the commander's cards posted somewhere yeah i don't know i i thought we did too the only thing i can't find them but man i want to proxy these guys i'm sure they'll have them in tts as soon as we're able to get them yeah 
But I mean, we can see some names of some. I mean, Asha's got Ironborn Pride, Raider Bravery, Warcry. These are all from one of the earlier expos this year. And then Euron has Cunning Ploy, Devious Methods, and Mind Games. Um, I mean, I, yeah. <sighs> all right. Man, I'm pretty sure we saw them somewhere. We'll see if we can find them, but... Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that beginning of year means like, you know, January. Really, really hope beginning of year means January sometime. Mm -hmm. And even in the current game, like, I like these cards. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, we'll see how they fare in the next version, but I'm a big fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm also curious on what the commander cards are going to bring because are they going to be like giving you your different like, oh, this is the offensive commander. This is a defensive commander. This is a controlling mm-hmm. commander. Like under what they're all going to bring to the table themselves. Right. Brett, any closing thoughts? Uh, I, I mean, again, just like any other faction, you, you're going to have to get them out. You're going to mm-hmm. have to play them. You're going to have to play them into stuff to really see how this stuff actually translates to the battle. Um, mm-hmm. I am interested in playing them, giving them a fair shake. Uh, the thing that would excite me the most if I was uh, a potential Greyjoy player has got to be four-point archers. Um, that it's just, a, for me, it's, it's amazing to have any long-range unit. I don't care how crappy their defensive stats are. A long-range unit for four points. Like their profile isn't that much worse than Stormcrow archers, so I I don't think spamming them would work out. But I think um, I think I'm bringing at least one, maybe two, when I play them. I really like ranged units, and I think it could be an interesting way to get their activations up, and maybe they can immediately start competing. It would be interesting. I think four-point archers would love uh, free folk fans. Mm-hmm. They should be yeah. able to get a lot of village tokens, and they should be able to do a pretty substantial amount of damage just by using the free folk strength against them uh, and forcing lots of panic, and they don't have to get up in their grill to do it. So. Yeah, they, they look like they uh, very well may be the keys that start the engine. Mm-hmm. For for Greyjoys being able to, like, they're not going to take those pillage tokens, but they're going to get them out to everyone else. And big fans. Yep. Well, that's a... like. It. Go ahead. That was it. I like it. Like it. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah. I, uh, then I, was... I go, then yeah, I I run and do FDR busy day. I got to yeah, get small count. We're oh, starting yeah. in like uh... minutes. All right. <laughs> All right, well, good fun, guys. I got to run. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yep, see you guys. See ya. Bye. All right, Dakota, any closing thoughts here on uh, the next house of Westeros? Um, uh, From what I've seen, I'll just say I'm kind of becoming a big fan. I mean, I initially play, you know, well, I shouldn't even say initially. I started with the Night's Watch. Um, played them a little bit and then got you know played the starks um a huge fan of like the alpha just be aggressive 
you know mm-hmm. uh, i'm generally gonna make an aggressive play because you know that's what i like to do most of the time um so i mean i don't i feel like these guys are kind of calling to me uh you know i've been playing a lot of baratheons which they're fun i think they're kind of that change-up style but when i see what these guys have it's like oh i just i kind of want to jump on in i know i was looking at them too and i was like man i really didn't plan on getting these guys and now i'm like they seem pretty cool yeah for sure i mean i'll run them in tts for a little bit first but i have a feeling that i I hope we get enough information on them in that we can play them in tts before they actually release um which i think we would I mean, generally, you're going to see them maybe like a week out. But, I mean, at that time, you probably have already ordered them. So, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on when they release. Like, if there's something coming in January, I don't think we'll have enough time. But if they're like, oh, yeah, April or March, April, somewhere in there, I I think we'd have enough time. I mean, just with the amount of stuff they've kind of been showing us on a weekly basis now. Right. Um, I mean, I feel like maybe next week predicting – We'll see maybe what like a starter box commanders are doing or what, you know, the starter box NCUs are doing, um, that type of stuff. Yep. I, uh, I'm very excited. And our last topic here, uh, we're probably going to have some Dungeons and Dragons related content coming soon. Uh, we're hoping to actually have a campaign that meets semi-regularly and maybe just do an episode where we kind of report the story back, you know, or maybe every few sessions we'll keep like a little journal of what happened and some fun stuff and just kind of do some small, you know, get together and recap the D&D story sort of thing and have maybe some of the guys from the campaign jump in from time to time. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We got to get the damn group to meet regularly. Yeah, yeah. We've we've tried this. I know over the past year, I'm pretty sure we've tried three, at least two campaigns, two campaigns uh, in the past year that have both uh, fizzled. And this then... one... Yeah. I'm hoping, hoping this one works because I, I know this, this one's gonna go the distance. Yeah, because I know this one. You're meeting in, well, they'll be coming in person to your house to play, but I mm-hmm. will be videoing in to play. Right. Which I mean, it should work pretty good. I think it will. And I've I've read, I've had this uh, book for like five days now. It's three hundred something pages, and I think I've legitimately read probably a hundred and fifty pages of this book and it's so damn cool. There's some cool stuff that I hope we get to cover. And I think it could make for, you know, some fun stuff and we can have people kind of follow along that story and see how it goes. But. Oh, to, for, for the listeners, what is the campaign? Like what is like, what book it is? It is uh, rhyme of the frost maiden. Mm-hmm. It is the latest dungeons and dragons, fifth edition campaign. It takes place in, I would say my favorite, Dungeons and Dragons setting before I even knew what Dungeons and Dragons was, it was Boulder's Gate Icewind Dale. This game takes place in Icewind Dale. It's, you know, a hellish frozen tundra, you know, and it's awesome. In this campaign, without giving Dakota too many under details here, 
it's gonna play a lot like survival horror at times. Um, because the party's just not gonna fare too well trying to fight a yeti in a blizzard. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. The, the, the average temperature in this area right now, because I sent these guys an excerpt about the everlasting winter, blah, 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 blah. The average temperature is negative 49 degrees. With um, the wind chill bringing it up to negative 130. Hmm. So that's that's the uh, the world that this campaign is taking place in. And I'm super excited. Yeah, so but it's not yeah, going not, all of that. Yet. Yeah, not to talk about it too much. I know so my character I'm gonna be running, so I'm gonna try to run um Marsh Rivers again is his name. Uh who I tried to run in the last campaign we did, it just kind of fizzled out early. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got a pretty badass backstory that we made up. Yes, um, we, and we can I th- I think we're gonna do like a whole episode of like a podcast episode on kind of creating a character and yep some of that stuff and we are going to take the marsh rivers from the last campaign bring him in and then if dakota wants to make any adjustments for icewind dale you know and people can kind of go through that process with those we'll check over his stats make sure all that stuff's good and and go from there but yes that'll that'll be a separate uh series of episodes yeah and for for pre- uh, kind of let uh, you guys know I haven't ever really done D and I mean, I've done the campaigns that it, we have tried to do, like two or three sessions. So yeah, I, I have you know less than five sessions that I've played. Yeah, and, and it was basically one dungeon crawl. Yeah, one dungeon crawl that really crawled for like a while. That it, took, it didn't need to, but it took a yeah. Longer. It was a hard thing for that one, which yeah. I haven't done a ton of DMing. I've I've done enough to know when combat's taking too damn long, so that's something I'm really gonna try to avoid with this one. And um, I have some ideas on how to speed up some of the longer combats too. But anyways, 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 all that is for different episodes. Uh, Greyjoys look pretty sick. The one single day TTS ELO was very much fun, and I didn't get to tell Brett. Thanks for putting that on. Oh yeah, definitely. But Brett, thank you for putting that on, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, If you in the next one, what commander would you try to eye up taking? Well, we talked about had like what had. Oh, it it would basically determine ratings too. But yeah, Yeah, we talked about like what had happened if we would have brought some of the higher stuff. Sparrow. What what would have happened if I would have brought a sparrow list to at least deal with Mel? Like, I don't know. Um, the next one will be this next version of the game, or not? I shouldn't say next version. This next update. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to be a Targ loyalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but my Targaryens are all the all my commanders are going to skyrocket because of dragons. So, we'll yeah. See. I mean, shit. I I was looking before we were getting on here. Targaryens for all you. Well, they dipped a little bit, but they were actually sitting at number five above neutrals. And, I mean, they're right on the cusp of going back above them. They're at uh, six. Their rating is minus 22.73. Neutrals are minus 20.46. I mean, they're one win away from jumping mm-hmm. jumping neutrals again to be the f- fifth best faction. I mean, the only ones that would be ahead of them would be the first four. 
which are just more developed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, so, we'll see, but I, I know I was missing my, my free folk and my Lannisters by the end of the day because I just did not have fun. I had fun. Don't get me wrong. I, didn't, I, I had fun, but I had some rough spots in games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would, de- I would definitely like, I, uh, the one thing I would like to maybe see from ELO is the, uh, or ELO, however you want to do it, is some of the, there's like commanders. Like I like playing Starks and I don't always build like a fluffy list, but mm-hmm. I'd like to see some of those lower commanders be able to be like viable, but they're just not. I mean, they just, they're too good. But all right. So, I mean, that is everything that we have. Um, kind of wrapping it up. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of it. <laughs> and, uh, thanks again, Brett, for joining us. And, yep. Thanks again, Brett. Uh, you know, and until next time. <laughs> all right thanks thanks for joining us hope you have a good one make sure you're playing more games and you're drinking your opal team your what i a christmas story man a christmas story oh okay drink more drink more more oval team got you got you all right bye everybody (laughs) bye everyone